0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order, additional term supply.
1: Yes, indeed. We are live. We're out here in our veranda at the Minnesota State Fair, our broadcast uh, center. Yeah, you can applaud. That's great. Uh, yeah, right. We like that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we
2: don't get applause <laughs> in the studio. It's nothing
1: like begging and pleading.
2: Except for ourselves. <laughs> we applaud ourselves.
0: Only on the back.
1: It's good, it's good to see both uh, John and Julie uh, from the University of Minnesota. We, we really are talking lawns and gardens, or gardens and lawns if you prefer. That uh, depends who wants the, the top billing. <laughs> but uh, Julie Weisenhorn is, uh, of course, heard often here on WCCO. We get a lot of good help from Julie. And if anybody has a lawn or garden question out here in our uh, uh, audience or at home, uh, you can send a text Or call us. The same number applies, 651-989-9226. Julie, maybe we can properly introduce John and his specialty.
2: Yeah, so John is a postdoc with our turf team. And uh, has become quite a fixture on this show, actually. We've spent quite a bit of time. Uh, we work together writing articles and then also uh, being on the radio show as well. So
0: I'm glad you're here. Yeah, like always, thanks for having me.
2: I can you. just pass it off to you. So again, long
0: questions. <laughs> it
1: really works. If you have a lawn question, John is here for that. And uh, Julie can help out, too, I think, in a lot of other ways as well. 651-989-9226. Text eight one eight zero seven. Now, um, what, what's happening here at the U of M or at the Hort Building? Are you guys oh, there yeah, from the, time to time?
2: Yep, the Agricultural uh, and Horticulture Building is, you know, the main main home base for uh, for University of Minnesota Horticulture and Yard and Garden. We have the one of the spokes in the wheel, I like to call it, in that building is the Sea Fans, the College of Food, Agriculture, and Natural Sciences, and that is where our turf team is. And then also we have master gardeners who are on hand to answer any and all yard and garden questions. We have displays and exhibits, and we're not too far from the beer tasting and the wine tasting (laughs) section, so that's That's always a plus.
1: But you you guys have quite a crowd in that building as well, don't you? It's great.
2: Yeah, we have lots of people, and they're rotating through all the time, so every day is going to be a little bit different, and... And you can get there. If you don't get your question answered today, you can certainly swing by there, and somebody will definitely help you out.
1: Or swing by here or call us or text That's us. Right. Again, yeah, 651-989-9226. Uh, I'll tell you what. Let's go. We're already getting callers, so just so we don't get too far behind of either the calls or the texts, let's get going here. Ed is calling from Worthington, I believe, first up here. Ed, what is your question? Um, I got a question. I'm composting my garden leaves and products. Great. And uh, – my question is, between earthworms and nightcrawlers, I want to put, some, put them in my compost. Okay. And, and, uh, but nightcrawlers tend to leave a pretty good pile of mounds in your lawn. And uh, my question would be, do earthworms leave a big pile like that or not so much?
2: Well, actually, the nightcrawlers are just another name for earthworms. Oh. So they're all the same. I mean there's different species of worms. None of them are actually native to Minnesota, which is or to any, the United States at all. They're all from Europe, right? John? That's correct. And so I think um, great for you for composting. That's awesome. But I don't think you're going to have to worry too much uh, if you're putting that compost into your garden bed cuz they're going to be pretty darn happy in that garden bed. I don't I don't know if they'll move into the lawn at all john yeah,
0: yeah. maybe Hard if you say, start spreading the compost and they go down below in the permafrost in the wintertime or you know down below as it freezes but right. they could escape
2: but. yeah but that's great they'll help to actually break down your compost pile so that's terrific
1: Speaking of gardens now, let, what, what, is this a good time of year? I think we've talked about this many times. What can we do for our lawns, whether it needs seeding or fertilizing? What, what can we do? Aeration?
0: This is the best time of the year to basically do most of your lawn care practices to improve it over time. So uh, so right now it could be aerification uh, if you're worried about soil compaction. Uh, fertilizer for uh, uh, this is the best time of the year to fertilize because you're fertilizing the lawn, not the weeds. And uh, the lawns are, the, the grasses would be getting ready for next year. So, um, and you could do some broadleaf weed control if that's what you're worried about. The thing like the creeping Charlie or wild violets uh, would be a great time of year to be trying to control those.
1: Well, he gets the prize. He mentioned creeping Charlie. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. There we go.
2: <laughs> Anybody <laughs> else? Does? 52 Saturdays a year.
1: But how often, do, like, like we have clay soil at our uh, lawn. Uh, how often should one aerate that?
0: I think it really just depends on how it's used. So if you have pets or you have a lot of kids or grandkids that are playing on it all the time, you're going to get more compaction over time. Um, but most Minnesota soils are not going to need it more than once every three or five years. Right, very good. That's good news.
1: Yes, it is. I tried doing that a couple of times by myself, and it, the machine ran away with me. 651-989-9226. <laughs> nine, 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 two, two, oh, we already have... Uh, <laughs> Are the abiders playing at the fair? (laughs) Oh, (laughs) knock on. (laughs) Not yet? Not
2: yet. No, we're not. But we are playing out at uh, the Arboretum uh, Farm Fest. The Arboretum is opening its new red barn. And I should say its old new red barn because it's a renovated, old-time, great barn uh, out by the Bee Center. And they are having a special event the weekend of September 14th and 15th. And we are actually playing at that. Oh, good. We're playing from 5 to 7 on the 14th. So uh, come on out, celebrate the new barn and the new landscape that's around it. It's going to be a really cool area. It's going to have good examples about growing food, pollinator plants. There will be an outdoor kitchen for food preparation, for preservation classes, And then the barn will be available for, you know, you can rent it for your wedding or an event. Yeah, we'll have classes out there. And then the bee center is right across the street so you can learn everything you need to about pollinators. So it's really, it's going to be awesome. I was just out there, Diana, my friend, and I were there yesterday and driving around, checking it out. And they're still working on it, but, oh, man, the barn is beautiful. It's such a great
1: location anyway. Beautiful, yeah. All right. 6519899226 uh, again that's the same number if you want to send a text I got a bunch of text messages right. as well Always good. let's see if we can uh, here's one my lawn is spotty with multiple types of grasses is it possible to replant another grass seed into the existing lawn to even it out
0: mm, good question yeah i think um, you can with overseeding uh, whether the effectiveness of that really just depends on how which species you have so first i would try to figure out which uh, species you have um, there's a, a really good uh, online tool from Purdue University that is a Purdue uh, Turf ID tool, and they'll just walk you through on how to identify which grass you have. Um, that's what I would start with first, and then try to try to find uh, grass species that are similar to what you have, and, uh, you, and you can overseed some, uh, uh, some grass seed this fall. Uh, starting right now until for the next uh, three or four weeks uh, would be great.
1: How do they get and I know we have to break here How, how do the golf courses get a putting greens what kind of <laughs> grass is that that it looks like it's seamless
0: a carpet so, so yeah. yeah that's a that's creeping bent grass and it's a grass that is actually a weed in home lawns but when it's when it's maintained at the level that they do at a golf course, uh, it can be mown down to less than a tenth of an inch. Tenth of an wow. inch. Wow.
2: <laughs> I didn't know that was a weed. And I mean, I know it's a weed in lawn grasses, but I didn't realize that that was the same. I
0: had no idea. Yeah. I'll tell you what, let's Learned take a break. New.
1: We have callers, we have textures. This is our Smart Garden Show live from the Minnesota State Fair here on News Talk 830 WCCO. We'll be right back. All right, <laughs> welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO live from the Minnesota State Fair. Danny Long here with Julie and John from the U of M and answering your lawn and garden questions. Guys, we have a, a bunch of text messages and phone callers as well. But what you, you brought some goodies.
2: I did bring some goodies. So uh, these are partridge pea seeds, and they are annual seeds. They are self-seeding annual, and they're fantastic for pollinators. Now, you, you want to wait and save these. Save them in your fridge and plant them next spring. And they grow to be about two feet. You can see on the cover that they've got uh, really cool kind of irregular flowers, almost orchid-like flowers. They're really neat. And, uh, and so this is an excellent pollinator plant, and everybody could uh, pick up a packet. I brought those. These were donated uh, to our cause by Prairie Moon Nursery, Minnesota native plant nursery, and thank you to them for the seeds.
1: Well oh, that's great. We need the pollinators.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Big
1: time. All right, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Uh, we have callers and we t- t- have texted, which is typical for the show, a busy show. Let's go to the phones. Uh, Ed is calling from Bloomington, I believe. Ed, thank you for waiting. What's your question? I have some celebrity tomato growing in a large pot on my deck about 12 feet off of the ground.
2: Wow. And it's,
1: it's a big mercy plant, of course, because it's a,
2: uh, uh, it's a,
1: it's a determinant type but all the leaves are starting to turn brown. So getting spots out of them even more right. up near the top. And the only water that gets uh, the leaves is from rain. I water to the bottom, which is covered with mulch. Why is this plant uh, turning brown like that?
2: So Celebrity is actually a fairly uh, rigorous tomato and a good one to grow. Um, but we have had an extremely wet and humid summer, really lots of rain, And and there are a number of different uh, diseases that tomatoes get. Um, Septoria leaf spot is one. Blossom end rot is another. Uh, uh, Early blight is another. And it sounds to me like your plant has either septoria leaf spot or an early blight. Or could have a combination of both, actually. The problem with that is once you see the disease, there's really nothing you can do about it. Purchasing a disease-resistant type of plant, a variety of plant, is a good uh, start to that. And also sterilizing all of your containers, your cages, everything that you have to support that plant are also really important to prevent those pathogens from carrying over from year to year. So once you've seen that, there's nothing to do about it, except uh, it's not going to really affect your tomatoes. It's still going to produce, but the plant's not going to look very good, and people get really concerned about that. So. Um, I would say pick the tomatoes, and then next year when you're looking for tomatoes, choose a disease-resistant variety. Celebrity is pretty good, but we've had a really unusual year. And be sure to sterilize. Use a 10% bleach solution. Wipe down your cages, your steaks, your pots. And also, one last thing, don't reuse the soil from year to year on tomatoes or peppers or any of those nightshade families because those, those uh, soil-borne pathogens, those little... Um, diseases can retain and stay in that soil from year to year. So you want to use fresh, sterile soil every year.
1: All right, very good. 651-989-9226. That's the same number for a text besides the phone calls. Use that same number for your text messages, and we have many of them. Uh, Amaryllis leafed but no flower. Put outdoors. Brought in this week, bulb got smaller with many smaller bulbs. Will it flower later this year, do you
2: think? Uh, Hard to say, but if it was outside Mm -hmm. and it uh, was in the sunshine and it got a lot of good uh, energy, uh, uh, built that up, then hopefully it's put that energy into the bulb. Sounds like you've got some little sports uh, that are shooting off the side of those. You can pick those off. You can repot it if you want. Uh, And you can uh, repot those, too. They're very small. It'll take a long time for them to grow, but that's how they're propagated.
1: Okay. Let's go to Sioux Falls. I think Steve has been waiting there. Thank you, Steve. Are you still with us there? You're welcome. I have a a real nice hydrangea. The only problem is it hasn't bloomed for a few years. Any suggestion?
2: Uh, Do you know what type it is?
1: No, I don't, but it's only about three feet by three feet, something like that. It's not the real big ones. I have uh, several of those.
2: Okay. The one hydrangea that people uh, often complain that doesn't rebloom is called an endless summer, and it's a popular hydrangea. It came on the scene about oh, I want to say about eight years ago maybe, and it is uh, known for being able to uh, being able to be turned blue by adding aluminum sulfate to our soil, and that's one of its main features. It was also toted as being uh, as flowering on new and existing wood, which also. Uh, was another feature that people liked. The problem with it is that it's just not really lived up to its um, up to its name, and it's uh, kind of difficult to get it to rebloom for Minnesotans. So uh, it may be after if you've tried it for a number of years, it might be time to try a different hydrangea. There are so many awesome hydrangeas on the market, and uh, and you might want to look for a, a hydrangea uh, paniculata. That's a panicle hydrangea. It's a little. It's a different species but really a robust bloomer. And there's a lot of different cultivars that you can choose from. So go to your local garden center, look around, see what you like. Also, you can visit the Arboretum Hydrangea Trials out on the Three Mile Drive, and they are fantastic right now. They're absolutely beautiful. And you can look around there and see which hydrangea kind of strikes your fancy.
1: Do you guys know, and I I think I was having a sample at a grocery store the other day, what's that new uh, apple? Is it the Kiss? First Kiss. First kids. came out
2: about a year ago or a year and a half. Ago.
1: Okay, and uh, I had a taste of it. It was pretty good. Yeah. But a texture wants to know, and maybe you don't know this. Uh, where is it here? What are the two types of apples that were used to create that apple? Do you guys know that?
2: Well, I'm gonna, I'm, i I, don't know actually the parentage of that. I know for Sweet Tango, which is another popular kind of a pineapple flavor, that, that's a grandchild of the Honeycrisp, which is our state apple, by the way. Oh, it is. That's yes, right. Yes, it is. And, uh, and I'm not sure about the first kiss though. That's, that's a good question. You could probably look on the extension site and it might tell you that under right. our apples
1: very good let's take a quick break we have another half hour of the show to go inviting our listeners to lawn and garden question or send a text same number 651-989-9226 julie julie likes that sound bb <laughs> king for sure all right we're talking lawns and gardens as we always do this hour this time of course we're at the minnesota state fair at our cco radio broadcast booth and a lot of good folks have uh, joined us out here and if you have a question you can call it in come up to our veranda uh, or text it in 651-989-9226 you know we were talking about apples and you guys uh, wanted to mention something about the state fair
0: yeah absolutely so in the horticulture building uh, there are uh, currently several University of Minnesota apple uh, varieties that are on display or for purchase so if you do have specific questions about those apples or if you want to try the latest and greatest try them there
2: yeah, so the question with the first kiss apple, they can, I'm sure they can tell them where the parentage goes. I bet from. they
1: could, sure. And again, where is that where they can find that? In the?
2: Egg horticulture building.
1: Very good. All right, back to the uh, phones. Diane, I think, is calling from St. Paul, I believe. Diane, are you with us?
2: Yes, good morning. Morning. Good morning. I have a question about my tomatoes. I'm growing early girl and a cherry variety and better boys. <clears throat> and for some reason... My early girls seem to be the most uh, affected. When I pick it and it's nice and red, I bring it in to to cut it and eat it. I'll have a spot where the color is a little bit different and it's very boggy, really soft, mushy. And when I cut into the tomato, it's it's as though the cell structure has just collapsed into mush. But the outside of the tomato shows absolutely no blemish. No sign of cracking or anything. Have you heard anything like this going on? I have not. That is a really good question. Um, you know, are you going to be at the fair at all? Uh, yes. Why don't you swing by the Master Gardener booth over in the Horticulture Building and ask them about that? There's, there's a lot of Master Gardeners who know more about tomatoes than I do, and there, I bet that they can. You can find an answer there from them. All right. It sounds to yeah. me like there's some kind of bacterial issue. Um, that maybe has, or a virus that your tomato has that's kind of translocated into the fruit itself. It's interesting that you don't see anything on the outside of the tomato because that's real common. But, um, yeah, that's a, that's interesting. There, I don't know if there's something wrong with the seed that initially started out. Yeah, I, ask the Master Gardeners. They are a lot of good tomato growers there that, that are better than I am, that's for sure. You got All me stumped right.
1: though. All right, well, see you at the fair. <laughs> Thanks, Diane. 651-989-9226. John, a text said, uh, "What should I do to treat grass rust? What is that?"
0: So rust is a uh, is a pathogen. It's a disease that affects grasses. It it actually comes from spirea as well. So it affects its life cycle affects other horticultural plants, not just grass. But um, the rust. Uh, can be can actually be lethal and what we would recommend we don't necessarily recommend applying fungicides to lawn to try to treat it we just recommend planting uh, improved cultivars and and species that would be resistant to that rust Uh, but for the most part right now just try to let it grow out of its life cycle uh, and let it finish it and grow and develop and and uh, you know hopefully it'll survive
1: all right very good uh, back to the phones we go. Susie is calling in from Arden Hills, I believe. Good morning, Susie.
2: Hey, good morning, Jenny. It's Susie from Woodbury now. We moved.
1: You moved.
2: <laughs> uh, we moved. Well, you never yes, gave
1: hi. us a forwarding address.
2: <laughs> well, all right.
1: <laughs> you do send us that. She
2: calls. <laughs> She's a regular uh, caller.
1: She is. Yes, we, uh,
2: I am. I am. And I left my wisteria and all my shade plants, and now we're in Woodbury, and I've got sun. And we started a new garden of course and I did the
1: endless summer and so I'm like cringing as I'm listening oh. to you except art yeah but wait ours is red
2: and here's my question we were told by should I say the name of the place where I got it I'm going to a curtain, okay. that um, the red ones aren't as horribly fussy as the blue and the purple where you have to add the extra right, right. to is that true yeah there's an endless summer is a series of hydrangeas we started out with just the one endless summer And now it's a series that Bailey's has been developing. Uh, Bailey's was a a tremendous wholesale nursery. Uh, We're really proud to have them as part of Minnesota. And uh, and so there's the Endless Summer series. So there's a, a whole bunch of different hydrangeas under that, including the red one. I think it's called Summer Crush. Does that sound familiar, Susie? i don't know
1: she's probably but that's a red
2: hydrangea actually it's a really neat hydrangea so uh that one i i wouldn't worry too much about it i think let's see how it goes and uh but re- remember that that that's a series so yeah so that's a cool uh a cool uh hydrangea i just saw it the other day
1: and Susie and her husband can't have traveled with us before on nice, cco tours Nice. <laughs> <That's> full disclosure <laughs> yeah, there on yeah
2: yeah awesome but,
1: uh, all right um can I, I think we have a question from our audience out here, too. Here's a text, though. Can I move a milkweed plant or trim to save it, and when?
2: Uh, you could trim it down if you're going to save it. It sounds to me like you're going to be doing some some work or something, but milkweed are really tough to move because they have very long tap roots, uh, these long straight uh, roots that go down quite deep. So when you, you're going to have to dig it very deeply, and you might want to consider also adding some new milkweed plants next year.
1: And your question, what's your first name? Larry. All right, Larry, what's your question? Uh, My question is, we're reseeding our backyard. This is a question to the grass guru. (laughs) And uh, I'd like to know what a very low-maintenance, low-input
0: seed mixture would be that's uh, kind to nature and bees what would you suggest planting as a mixture? Okay, so generally speaking, when we talk about low-maintenance low, uh, low maintenance turf grasses that are also bee-friendly, uh, we're talking about fine fescues and that there's a number of retailers, at least in the Twin Cities, that, that sell different fine fescue mixtures that are just pure fine fescues. Um, we have a link on our website. That's turf.umn.edu, and we have a link there for purchasing grass seed. And there you would be able to find, we also have lots of other information on low fine fescues and, and lawns and things like that we also have information on bee lawns so uh, but the link there would be able to help you find a retailer that would uh, that could set you up with some uh, fine fescue grass seed all
1: right thanks larry appreciate it if you have a question in the audience come on up to our deck and we'll get an answer for you or call us or text us now the text came in uh, what is the best way to get rid of thistles in my flower garden the Thistle
2: oh boy. seems
1: to spread. It's tough to say. Yeah,
2: so can, I'm assuming they mean Canada thistle, so I'm going to go with that. So Canada thistle, the unfortunate thing about Canada thistle is it has roots that not only go straight down into the soil, but down when they get about two feet deep, they'll branch out in either direction. And they'll pop up other plants off of the nodes that are on those roots. And that's why when we pull out a thistle and you think, boy, I got almost all the root, there's just this little bit left. That little tiny bit that's left down there is actually part of a complex root system that pops up even more plants out of that. It seems like you pull one out and you get three more thistles. So they're really, really hard to pull out, and they're very hard to dig. You have to be absolutely diligent. You can mow the thistles. You can, If you mow them at about, when they get no more than three inches or so, maybe four, you can keep them, kind of knock them down that way because you're taking away the photosynthetic material. But... In this case, I'm going to recommend that you actually use a combination of a, of a, of a broadleaf herbicide and that, you abs- and that you keep painting that onto those thistles, and that will translocate. This is a good time to do it because the plant is actively uh, gathering uh, energy to keep it going through the winter and put it down into the roots and actually kill that root system. It's the only way that we can get, unless you're going to dig down two feet and dig those thistles out completely, which I don't think anybody really wants to do, and it's not very feasible for most people. So you're going to have to use, this is a case where you'll have to use a chemical to control that. And Canada thistles on our noxious weed list in Minnesota, so it's our responsibility to actually take care of, you know, managing those thistles in our landscapes.
1: All right, Uh, 651-989-9226. We have callers, we have texters. Here's one for John. My lawn is mostly weeds, so (laughs) should I use a weed and feed?
0: All right. That's So um, that, that's a great question. Uh, generally, we don't recommend using a weed and feed product because you're just broadcasting a herbicide into the environment. We prefer spot treating for your weed, knowing which weed you have and then uh, treating it. Uh, if, it's gen- if it's all weeds, I would consider you could use a weed and feed product, and that, that's one of the rare cir- circumstances I would do that. I would really, one, know which weeds you have. Uh, and two, uh, which herbicides are in your weed and feed product to know that you're actually applying an appropriate product there, or uh, mm-hmm. weed and feed product. Um, if that's the case, in, in some cases I think you can uh, you can try to overseed and uh, and then just try to uh, use proper cultural practices like fertilization, uh, regular mowing, and things like that, and to try to improve the lawn over time, and then work at spot treating. Uh, but If it's all weeds and things like that, sometimes it might be easier just to to start over, too. So
2: So I have a story about weeds and lawns. I was just visiting my parents up in Moose Lake, and my mom is a diligent gardener, and she hand-dug out her crabgrass in large patches... And then mixed in, uh, took a topsoil, mixed in seed, and then has spread that into that area and then has been watering it. So is that the right way to approach like a big patch of crabgrass?
0: You, you could. At, at this time of the year, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be worrying about crabgrass because it's a summer annual. It's, its life cycle is almost done. It'll be done at the first frost. Um, so I would just be focusing on fertilization at this point. But if you have a lot of crabgrass in the summertime, you can try to do that. But one of the problems with crabgrass is it'll germinate throughout the whole yeah. summer.
2: So, all those seeds.
0: Yeah, the, and the seeds, as soon as they get sunlight, they get moisture, they're mm-hmm. going to germinate. And just because you rip up mature crabgrass plants, you may just get seedlings to, to re-germinate yeah. right she, in that same she spot. She did
2: get to it before it seeded, so that was good.
0: The labor before of the love seeded. for yeah. your mom. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Sorry, Mom. We need to take a quick break.
1: We have more show to come, more Smart Garden here live from the Minnesota State Fair here on News Talk 830-WCCO. And here we are back. And our CCO
2: These are comfortable Miranda. chairs back they here. They are very comfortable, yeah. yes. Nice, uh, we're talking lawns and gardens
1: left. as we always do in this 8 o'clock mm-hmm. hour. Uh, Julie and John here from the University of Minnesota. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, whether it be here at the fair uh, or at home, we have tons of text messages and a lot of uh, callers as well. So let's see how many folks we could uh, help out here before uh, we leave. Landscapers covered a 40-year-old oak About four feet up the trunk with mulch for a terracing project. See, even the audience knows that's not a good thing.
2: Is the mulch
1: cutting off the oxygen to the tree? Is (coughs) is this good for the tree? It's a beautiful tree. We don't want to lose it.
2: Okay, unbury that tree trunk. That's the first thing. We call that volcano mulch, and and many people have seen it around. And what happens is, is oftentimes, uh, that that mulch is added and added to that trunk and, and it piles up along there. What happens is that you want to be sure that when you mulch a tree that you can see the root flare at the bottom. So that means mulching and then pulling it away from the tree so that you see that good those big main roots there. When you pile it up like that, it holds moisture, it can hold insects, uh, animals can get in there like mice and burrow in there. And it also can cause what's called stem girdling roots. And these are roots that shoot out from above the root flare that grow out from there because they're buried under this mulch. And they start to circle around that trunk of that tree and ultimately, over time, can choke off that tree and literally kill it. So uh, best thing to do, go out, push that mulch away from that trunk till you can see that root flare. This also is the same with, with planting trees. is You always want to plant trees so you can see that root flare above the soil level. You never want to bury that root flare. And, uh, and so, yeah, get out there, pull that back, and then scold that landscaper. They should know better than that. That's that's uh, basically a death sentence for that oak tree.
1: Even the audience out here Yeah, knew that. yeah, we have a smart audience. <laughs> and and I should smart, say yeah, Smart uh, garden audience. Absolutely. Uh, here's a text that says, my lawn species is creeping Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> now, did didn't people plant that or, originally? I mean, that was well, used. <laughs>
2: well, it's also called ground ivy. Yeah. And uh, and it was, it actually is sold in some uh, some states, not Minnesota, mm-hmm. as a um, a ground cover. And so it probably got here that way, just like purple loosestrife and buckthorn and a lot of other wild uh, violets. Wild violets. Yeah, they're all planted as, as uh, plants, garden plants. Let, uh,
1: plants let's garden help out plants. some phone callers as well. Uh, Mike, I believe, is calling in from Hastings, if Mike is still there. Hi, Mike.
2: Hi. Hello. Uh, I have a
1: problem with my cucumbers. I have a white uh, like, powder on the, the leaves, sure. and basically they've quit
2: blooming. Okay. So that is called powdery mildew. And powdery mildew uh, has fungal spores that are out in all over in the environment. It's just a part of our ecosystem. And uh, it it, uh, attacks things like cucumbers, squash, watermelons, peonies, lilacs. You see it all over the place. There's many plants that are susceptible. It usually doesn't kill the plant, uh, except in very, very severe cases. Um, but because uh, your cucumber is an annual, it's going to be dying back pretty soon anyway. If it stopped blooming, it could be because it's, it, uh, it, it may start blooming again yet. It might be because of uh, light or, uh, you know, it, it could be the end of the life of that annual vine. And so uh, there's nothing to really do about it at this point. And uh, in some cases with perennials, people will spray a fungicide, but it's really a, kind of a useless extra effort. And so I'm sorry I don't have a better answer for you at this point, but it's, it's something you just have to tolerate.
1: Here's a text, I think, for John. Uh, it says, I have a section of my lawn that is different from the rest. It's very fine grass and thick, not very comfortable to walk or sit, and it's uh, clumpy. Can I just round up it and, and reseed this fall?
0: Yeah, you could do that. If it's very clumpy, that kind of sounds like it, and if it's rough, it sounds like it might be tall fescue. Uh, so um, sometimes you can actually transition along with overseeding and just try to improve that stand by just broadcasting seed over the top of that surface. But if uh, if it is tall fescue, sometimes one of the best ways to do that is just to, to kill off that existing area and plant something else, because the tall fescue is very vigorous and it'll, it'll survive most Kay. things.
1: Uh, back to the phones we go. Gary is calling from Andover, Minnesota. Gary, you're on CCO. Good morning. Yeah, I have a problem this year with my sweet corn. I've raised it for many years. It's getting long dry spells in the leaves, and 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 I I water it all the time, but I don't know it gets uh, and it doesn't seem to produce as good this year as it does other years. That, I don't know why the leaves are kind of getting them long, dry spots in them.
2: Sure. I'm not, a, I'm not super savvy on corn, um, but I know corn is a, a, a big feeder. Requires It sucks a lot of nutrients from the soil, and if you've produced it for many, many years and if you've planted it in, in roughly the same area, it might be time to really take a look at your soil. You can have a soil test done for your garden center or for your garden bed. And you can do that at the University of Minnesota at the Soil Test Laboratory. There's a, a website that you can get a form and, and go ahead and uh, um, download that form and fill it out and send them a sample. I would suggest that before you plant it next year, just to see if there might be some enhancements that you need to do for your corn.
1: Uh, text, let's see, how's our time doing? We have time yet uh, for a, a call or two and text. How can you get rid of coarse fescue in the lawn
0: Coarse fescue, that's very similar to the, the uh, previous text message about the, the coarse fescue. That would be tall fescue. And uh, tall fescue can really, if you're, it's really, if uh, the best way to do that is with a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate, um, uh, just because it is so vigorous and, mm-hmm. and it'll, uh, you know, it'll survive in the environment. So a non-selective herbicide like glyphosate.
1: What is your opinion, Texter, wants to know of chemical aeration? Uh, what is that?
0: So chemical aeration. I, I actually just had a, a question about this last night at our uh, at the turf booth in the in the ag horticulture building. Um, but chemical aeration, the the concept of that is just to try to improve uh, airflow and drainage into the and water infiltration into the soil. And uh, quite honestly, I would stick to the mechanical aeration, uh, just because you're going to be relieving soil compaction and you're going to be adding air and water movement into the soil. By using some mechanical, as opposed to spraying a product, uh, to do that.
1: And for, for those folks that don't know what uh, the core aeration is, it's a machine that kind of pulls yep. plugs it out pulls of the soil uh, yeah. So
0: you can rent uh, you can rent those from from most uh, equipment rental places, and uh, for 60 to mm-hmm. 90 bucks for for a day or for the weekend, and uh, yeah, you can make a make an afternoon out of it. And, and it kind of <laughs> looks
1: and it kind of looks like you have a you own a Bite bunch your of neighbors. bunch of poodles.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yep. or, or, yeah, or geese. <laughs> <laughs> or geese. Or yeah. geese. All
1: right, let's uh, let's grab one more phone call. I believe we can uh, real fast. Harold is calling from Glencoe. Harold, what's your question, real fast? Yes, so uh, We have a Japanese uh, lilac tree, and it's getting uh, black spots on the leaves, or the upper ends, and uh, it's and uh, some of the leaves has holes in them. First time the tree is four years old. First time we've ever seen it. Okay. Can you help us with that?
2: Thank um, you. Okay, so I would suggest this. I would say, um, why don't you take a couple pictures and go to our extension website, and which is extension.umn.edu. Go to Yard and Garden, and uh, I would send that picture to Ask a Master Gardener. That's a really good uh, tool that you can use any time of the year. We have Master Gardeners on, uh, you know. Ready and poised to answer those questions. I think that's going to be really a best way to do it is to see a picture of that. So that's on our extension site.
1: And before we let you guys go, tell our listeners, uh, at least here at the, what we have out on our yes. deck. Yes.
2: So we have some partridge pea seeds. These are an excellent pollinator annual. It's a self-seeding annual, about two feet tall, has bright yellow flowers. And this is, uh, these were uh, sent over from Prairie Moon Nursery, one of our native nurseries here in Minnesota. And uh, the last thing I want to mention, too, is our Yard and Garden News, which is our uh, bi-monthly uh, blog that we write. And we have some excellent information on there uh, about wasps and other things. We have turf articles, all sorts of things. So if you don't uh, take a look at that, you can subscribe to that and get an alert whenever a new uh, publication comes out of that. So that's an excellent resource that people can use as well.
1: And uh, we haven't mentioned it too often this this hour, but again, what is that website at the U of M?
2: Extension.umn.edu and go to Yard and Garden, and you can find lots and lots of good turf information as well as garden plants and trees.
1: And if you're heading to the State Fair, and I hope you do, uh, get over to the Ag Hort building because what are you going to see there?
0: So the, the turf booth has a, uh, the turf uh, group has a booth set up for the, the duration of the whole state fair where there's always an expert there to be able to answer any questions you might have about your lawn. Uh, and there's also the
2: master gardeners and lots ask, of other great Ask resources. your questions away. Yeah. It's
1: good to see you both. Thanks, Thanks for, for lot, stopping Denny. by here at our broadcast. Center. Let's hear it for Julie and John
0: from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy